Today, we're looking at the Philadelphia 76ers, what went right, what went wrong in their season, what that means for the future. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode also brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is, yeah, if you're sorry, if you go to builtbar.com and use the promo code Locked On, you'll get 20% off your next order. We are talking about the Philadelphia 76ers in today's show. You guys were talking about that when asking me questions. So the question from Kid Dilf, Kitty Ulf, I'm not sure, uh, on Instagram, is Joel Embiid the best fantasy player that cannot be trusted? I will not pick him in the first or second round. That's always the conundrum with Embiid, isn't it? Because we know that the per-game production is going to be pretty good. He was the 21st-ranked player on a per-game basis this year, which is actually down from where he was um, before. Some of that is because of the the games in the bubble. They dropped his minutes per game average under 30 because it was over 30. Um, but you, you're going to get missed games. You only played 51 regular season games. For comparison, Toby Harris played 72. Uh, it seems like it's always going to be the case with Embiid. Yes, if by miracle's chance he plays 77 games, then he will smash his ADP. But he is not someone that you look at as a first-round player just because of those games missed. At this point, given how his body's history, and I'm not labeling him injury-prone at all because you know my thoughts on that, but you just know there's going to be games missed through maintenance and just to preserve his body for the playoffs. That's just going to happen. And yeah, that's not someone I think that you want to be taking in the first round at this point. Shazeb1007 says, do they trade Embiid or, Sev- or Simmons? This is a question that everyone wants to know. I, it, it's framed in a way, and this is not you framing it, Shazeb, because everyone seems to frame it, that they have to. Do they have to? I, I don't know whether they do have to. Uh, if I'm trading one of them, it's probably Embiid, pro- uh, personally, because of that injury risk. Now, Simmons has had plenty of injuries in, on his own. He's also two and a half years younger. And I think centers are more replaceable than six foot ten guards slash big men who can defend at an all NBA level and pass. So I probably would have keep Simmons over Embiid, but in the end, if you are looking to do that, it all depends what you're getting back and what the teams that are offering trades for either of those players are offering. But I would probably look to trade Embiid personally. And Sadler twenty nine, does Simmons have better value at point guard or power forward? It, it literally doesn't matter. We saw this in the uh, in the bubble where yeah, Simmons was going to be playing you know, power forward allegedly with Shake Milton playing at point guard. Milton was a real bust in the bubble. Simmons was still fine. Now, his assist numbers did drop. He went from eight a game over the course of the regular season. He only averaged 4.3 in the bubble, but he also only played 29 minutes and it was only three games. So I don't think we read much into that. 
regardless if he's playing alongside another point guard or if he's playing exclusively as a point guard, Simmons is going to run things because he has unbelievable vision. He's going to be the guy that sets things up in transition. He'll run some half-court stuff. And in general, you want him to have the ball in his hands versus him standing out, spotting up in the corner because he can't do that. So I don't really think it makes all that much of a difference. Maybe it is better if he's actually playing power forward because it means there's more spacing around him, more guys that can shoot. But in terms of his role, it doesn't impact it all that much, I don't think. Uh, what are the chances Ben Simmons gets traded to the Warriors? For who? So, no. Uh, I, no, I think it's very, very low. Who knows? Stuff can happen, but I would say uh, it's it's very low chances. Stefan Peluga, will Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons improve with Doc Rivers as coach? Maybe. I, I really don't think that Doc is going to unlock something special with these guys. They're already special. They're already really good. Uh, Doc had his troubles, of course, with the Clippers this season and in the past. He's not some magic tool to unlock you know, great potential of everybody. I think it's more that you look for improvement, uh, maybe with execution, maybe with game plan, maybe with some of the guys on the fringes. I don't expect massive, massive changes for Simmons and Embiid. Like, for example, you know, Simmons isn't all of a sudden going to become this uh, you know, reliable, long-range bomber just because Doc Rivers is there. I don't think that is anything for us to uh, expect realistically. But a healthy life, guys, you should be expecting a healthy life because everyone wants to be healthy. And a healthy life includes a healthy sex life. But if you struggle with erectile dysfunction, you may not feel like your best self. If you want help with ED, Roman can connect you with real licensed healthcare professionals who can prescribe you the medicine that you need. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash locked on and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be hard to talk about, but now there's Roman. Completed an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to getroman.com slash locked on to get up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment and a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash locked on for up to 50 bucks off your first month of ED treatment. Getroman.com slash locked on. All right, let's look at the questions that came in on the old Twitter Let's have a look at uh, at those ones from Zardinamo Bezmamicha. Zaya Smith has been out of the rotation while Jarrett Culver is playing in the NBA. Is this life fair? Well, I think the comparison there between those two, for those of you who don't know, is they both played together at Texas Tech and Smith was by far the better player or better prospect at that point. Zaya Smith has been a horrible disappointment in the NBA. I thought that he was a guy with some really interesting upside. Maybe he could handle the ball. You see, the shot comes on, really dynamic defensive player. His rookie season was ruined by injuries and this weird sesame oil allergy. And then this season, he was just shithouse. He barely played in the NBA. He averages 13 points in the G League. He did shoot 38% from three, which is encouraging, but not a good free throw shooter. Didn't generate good defensive numbers. Wasn't high usage. Overall, just a really poor first two years in Zaire Smith. And Joe Buck asks a similar question. Any faith in Zaire Smith at all? I've heard him floated as likely to get moved in a salary dump. Uh, wondering if a second spot may benefit him, but those G League numbers were meh. Yeah, they were meh. I just read them out. They're not that good. Um, I like to give guys three years. I'm not sure I want to extend that third year to Zaire at this point. I was really high on DRC, but he has been a huge disappointment, and I'm wrong on that. Maybe it's just the size of him. Maybe it was just he's too skinny to be the, an impact defender. Maybe it was just hoping the shot would come around, and it just won't, and maybe that's a lesson to learn from the future, but he has been really poor. Really poor sorry. 
Um, Filippo Rankin, how do you see Shake Milton with Doc Rivers? Could he get to, say, four and a half assists per game? Again, I don't really see Doc Rivers making Shake Milton this great passer all of a sudden. Shake averaged 2.6 assists in 20 minutes this season. Not a great number. In the eight regular season bubble games, he averaged four assists in 24 minutes. So 4.5 is not a crazy number to get to. It's also not what you want out of a starting point guard. But again, he's not really a starting level point guard. He's a guy that will be four and a half assists, five assists maybe, whose real role is going to be out there to shoot threes. And that's what he's going to be able to do. He's not a starting caliber point guard per se. He is a guy that maybe can start as a shooter and you know, hit some pull-up threes and uh, be able to be a spot-up shooter as well. But he's not a high-level creator or anything along those lines. Um, Vincent Joseph, is Embiid still a first-round pick next fantasy season? I don't think there's any way that we'd be doing that at, at this stage. Philly special, will Benny Simmons develop a jump shot? I still have faith in it happening at some point. A lot of it is just a confidence thing or an absolute stubbornness with Simmons, which I think he deserves to be criticized for just not even attempting these shots. He, um, he did hit some threes this year. Of course, it was obviously a ridiculously small amount, but he did hit some. 29% of his threes, and I think it was only maybe four or five attempts. But he hit one really early in the season in a big blowout. He needs to not only be able to hit threes, but just to be able to hit some sort of jumper that's not at the paint. He's already ridiculously good. Unbelievable defender, unbelievable passer, fantastic finisher, strong scorer for a guy that literally doesn't shoot at all. 16 points per game for a guy that doesn't shoot. He's unbelievably good. Um, I think he can shoot. It's some sort of weird mental block and stubbornness that's not allowing this to happen. And getting over that is going to be one of Doc Rivers' biggest challenges. He was two of seven on threes this year, Simmons. Um, but I'm not expecting it. If it happens, it's just going to be really a bonus. And the last one, David Menkov. Will the Sixers be able to move Tobias Harris for a productive outside shooter in the J.J. Redick sort of mold? The name that's always floated around is Buddy Heald. Would Sacramento want Tobias Harris back for Buddy Heald? Uh, well, Tobias Harris is better than Harrison Barnes. He's going to be a, a pretty solid option if you played him at the four or you played him over Neman, you'd be a Lidza. Um Would Heald be someone who makes sense over Harris for the Sixers? Probably. Just getting a guy who can be a shooter and a knockdown shooter and a guy that doesn't do too much else. But Harris is sort of meh. I'm not really buying that. Well, Toby Harris had the best career, season of his career under Doc Rivers. It was a, Therefore, he's going to be good again this year. It's a very different scenario where Harris was the best player on that Clippers team, where now he's the third best guy. You could argue fourth best player on this Sixers team. So it's a very, very different scenario. Um, I think that they would love to be able to move Tobias Harris and whether anyone wants to take that contract back remains to be seen. But again, the Kings could say, who's taking back the bud contract? So maybe that is an option um, that could be done. Uh, getting healed across for Tobias Harris. Um, and I think the Sixers would really like to be able to move off of Harris at this point. But the problem is that their, their front office is the worst in the NBA or close to the worst in the NBA. They don't know what they're doing ever since the Sam Hinkie situation. The Colangelo scenario was terrible. Brett Brown moved into the front office at some point. Now Alton Brand moved into the front office having no experience or no understanding of what he's doing. Now they fired the coach and they said they're going to have a front office shake up, shake up. They haven't done anything there at all in terms of shaking up that front office. So it's just constantly running on autopilot. Everything looks like an absolute disaster. The ownership is meddling. They could be one of the worst ownership groups in the NBA as well. Um, so there are some real concerns. And it feels like almost every deal they've made has been a lose, lose or a, a loss for them, really, ever since Hinky left. And that is uh, not the way that you want to go 
if you're looking to build a good team, which they are looking to build one and they're not able to do it. Built Bar is the bar that you need if you're looking to build yourself a good body. Ha <laughs> ha, what a great joke. Guys, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It tastes just like a candy bar. It's covered in 100% chocolate and they are back with six new flavors. 12 originals, the 12 OGs, including raspberry, peanut butter, mint brownie, but now six newbies. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They join the portfolio of unbelievably tasting protein bars with Built Bar. It is great if you're looking to lose weight, looking to maintain weight and get protein in, but also in a delicious treat format, not in the sort of protein bars that taste like you scrape them off the bottom of your shoe. You could stick them between bricks to build a house. The peanut butter bar, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, and just 5 grams of sugar. That's ridiculous. Cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, and only 130 calories with 4 grams of sugar. And if you go to BuiltBar.com now and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. So use that promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Let's get into talking about these players now. On the Philadelphia 76ers, we've got to look at these guys in a bit more detail now. And we are going to start with Joel Embiid, a guy that had an ADP of number eight. Um, There were some thoughts, and I was among this group, who thought that maybe Embiid would be able to play 70-plus games because he was on track for it last year until he suffered a freak incident where he suffered a fractured face by running into Markel Fultz. And that was it for him. So that wasn't a knee injury. It wasn't a back problem. I thought, well, maybe if he stays healthy and plays 73 games, then he's going to be in the mix there at that eight spot. And considering the injuries to players and no Kevin Durant and uncertainty with Kawhi and Kyrie, that that back end of the first round was really wide open. Um, Embiid was not able to do that. His production dropped, as we talked about already, as the 21st ranked player. He's still really impactful. 4.66 Raptor, 2.95 PIPM, 62 shooting, 33 usage. He blocked 1.3 shots only and only hit a three with 12 rebounds. So he's got massive room for improvement there with the blocks that can go up. He can, yeah, 23 and 12, that's probably not going to be you know, huge changes there. He hit 81% of his free throws on eight and a half attempts. So a really strong number there as well from Embiid, but obviously not his best season with the dip down in blocks and only played under 30 minutes. I think that he'll play the over 30 minutes again this season. Um, I do think that he is going to miss games, and I think there'll be preemptive load management. Doc Rivers has already hinted at that, talking about maybe the Kawhi Leonard-type path for Embiid, so that's something to pay attention to. And no, I don't think we look at him as any sort of first-round player. Ben Simmons was the 26th-ranked player, equally really good PIPMs and Raptors, 2.66 PIPM, 2.3 Raptor, with a uh, 60% true shooting for a guy that's not shooting threes and 21% usage only. He averaged 16, 8, and 8 with two steals on 58% shooting because I know he's unbelievable at finishing around the rim. So he is a guy that you can talk about. Never drafting Simmons if he doesn't shoot threes. We can get threes somewhere else. Getting the combination of eight rebounds, eight assists, and two steals with 58% shooting is a combination that literally is doesn't happen anywhere. No, no other player gives you that combination of numbers. Now, there are no, no threes. He's a below-average scorer, and he's a bad free-throw shooter. If you are punting free throws, he goes from being a 26th-ranked player you know, all the way up into the top 15 in that sort of an area as a second-round player. And I think that you should be viewing him as a second-round type player because if you're drafting him, you're punting free throws. Therefore, he's fine to take in that second round. If you want to grab him in the third, by all means. Where can he improve? Well, usage is the big thing because Toby Harris took a lot of that, 24% for Toby, 21 for Simmons. 
So if he goes from 16 to 19 points, along with the rebounds, assists, steals, and efficiency, keeping up, which could very easily happen, then yeah, he easily jumps into be like 22, 21st ranked player who then goes here 12 or 13 in terms of punt numbers. And he rises pretty significantly in points league formats. He's still only 24, so pretty young, obviously. That's, you know, it's not super old at all. Um, and a guy that does have some level of improvement there, getting that usage back up, another couple of usage points. And I think that's going to come down to what they do with Harris, whether Harris is around, whether he's moved on, and, and whether they get a shooter back. That's going to be something that's important to look at and how that ball gets distributed. But for now, we look at him as a, a solid second-round player, I think, is fair enough for Simmons. And uh, even though he has had these injury concerns with the knee problem and then he had the back issue earlier... Um, I guess it's a little bit underrated how much time he has actually missed because he missed his whole rookie season and then these two injuries this year. And hopefully that knee injury is fine and ready to go, but not without injury concerns, old Ben Simmons. Next up, Toby Harris. Now, Harris was a guy that I thought was a little bit overrated coming into the season. His ADP was 51. I saw some sides have him in the 30s, which was absolute nonsense. Um, he ended up being ranked 30, uh, 63rd. I think I had him around that 60, 70 mark. He was ADP 51. He averaged 20 points in 34 minutes, but my always concern with him is, what the hell else does he do? Like he can score, and he was coming in off that season with the Clippers, or majority of season with the Clippers, where he was putting up some really strong numbers, and there was some hope that for some reason he just couldn't shoot when he got to Philadelphia, that those numbers would bounce back. But what else does he do? And unless he's getting you know, 27 usage, then how is he going to be impactful? Because he's just not an assist guy, really. doesn't get steals or blocks. And that sort of played out. 20 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists with under 2 threes, and then 0.7 steals and 0.6 blocks on a true shooting of about 56%. He was still a positive player. I think the hate of Tobias Harris goes too far. He's a really valuable player, but probably not valuable at the contract, a max contract that he's being paid. But a positive impact guy on the court, and has been that most of his career, he... Um, yeah, he, he's somehow he actually his usage actually went up from last year, and that's probably not the role he needs on this team. But he was enabled to maintain forty percent from three, where he'd been the last two seasons. He went down to thirty six, and that's part of the the dip in his numbers. Also, playing alongside Embiid and Simmons, we saw his um, rebound numbers fall off as well, which is always going to be the case for Harris when you're you know getting so many of those rebounds playing for the Clippers. Uh, yeah, coming across here to play with Philadelphia and to get this time next to Embiid, you're just not going to get those numbers. So I think this 60 to 80 range is probably the right area for Harris next year. If he goes to a different team, he could jump into the top 50 pretty comfortably. But I also think with the hate that's directed towards Harris, that maybe his ADP comes in at 80, 85, and then you still get some value out of him. Because even though it was a disappointing season, he was still the 63rd ranked player and averaged 20 points per game. And that, to me, is still okay. It's not great, but it's okay. Uh, after that... It was rough. Al Horford. It was going to be tough for Horford. I didn't think it would be this bad. He played only 30 minutes a night. He's 34 years of age. He still somehow got three years left on his contract, which is absolutely a disgustingly bad decision by the Sixers. I don't even remember what my thoughts were when this uh, free agency signing happened. I was in the middle of a vacation during free agency last year, so it's hard for me to remember exactly what I was thinking at that point. But fair to say, I didn't expect him to be this bad. But I think if you, you know, polled fantasy people, and asked them how shit was Al Horford this season. Oh, he was terrible. They wouldn't expect that he still was the 81st ranked player. Plus 1.33 PIPM, almost a plus one Raptor. So a positive on the court as well. Some of that's because you're playing with Embiid and Simmons. 
54 true shooting and a usage of 17. He averages 12 points in 30 minutes, seven boards, one and a half threes, a block, 45 and 76. Like thoroughly average-ish type numbers. He played much better when he played without Embiid. And I really don't see Doc Rivers going back to a scenario of starting these two together. Toby Harris's best position is power forward. Ben Simmons, maybe his best position is power forward. Maybe uh, Horford's best position is center. So he's going to be playing a much, much smaller role. And I would be pretty doubtful, despite the size of his contract, that he actually plays enough minutes to be a draftable player. In the bubble, he still played 25 minutes a night in those regular season games because Horford played, uh, because Embiid played 25 minutes. And he actually put up some okay numbers, 11, 6, and 4, with one and a half threes and a block. He was the 82nd ranked bubble player. In the playoffs, he actually played 32 minutes a night They played because there was no Ben Simmons, so they started him again. Now, he was shithouse in that time, averaging 7 and 7. So his role's a little bit up in the air. I, I'm not going to want anything to do with him in the top 100 in fantasy drafts at all because I, I just don't understand how they're going to get the most out of him or even get him to 30 minutes a night. And at age 34, which you don't really think of Al Horford as being that old, uh, I think he can still be a, a, an impactful player, but it's probably not going to be in that top 100 zone for fantasy, unfortunately, for Al and uh, and his career. Next up, Alec Burks. And Alec Burks is a player that we need to look at in the lens of, and same as another guy, Glenn Robinson III, that the fact that he had free reign to do what he wanted uh, as a member of the Golden State Warriors. In, for the Warriors, he played 29 minutes a game and he averaged 16 points with five rebounds and three assists and he shot 38% from three. For the Sixers, he only played 20 minutes a night, but he did average 12 points. He shot 42% from three and he had three rebounds and two assists. So while Alec Burks was the 96th ranked player, he was still a negative 1.31 in PIPM. He had 56 true shooting and that's on the back of 27 minutes a night. 15 points per game over the course of the season. Now, Alec Burks is a free agent coming up, an unrestricted free agent. Not many guys on this team that can create their own shots as guards the way that Burks can. I think he has a role. I don't think it's as necessarily large as what we see here. And in those bubble games, he played 20 minutes. He still averaged 15 points and over two threes because he shot 57% from three. So that's going to fall off. But what he's probably going to be is a points and threes streamer who plays 24 minutes a night and occasionally have a hot Jordan Clarkson type game and then have a shit one after that. He has 24 minutes a night in the playoffs with 11 points per game. Again, no Simmons there, but he shot 33%. So he is a, a player that I think this ranking will not be an accurate representation of what we expect from Burks next season. Burks is uh, 29 as well, so he's not uh, he's not super young. And I think that a pretty significant drop-off is the most likely outcome for Alec Burks here. Joshie Richardson, really, really terrible from him this year. The ex expectation was, well, okay, in the number one role that he was in in Miami in 18-19, he was overextended. He was still okay, but he wasn't able to get the big steals, get the good block numbers. The shooting fell off. He wasn't able to do that. In Philadelphia, his usage will fall. He'll be able to really concentrate defensively, put up some of those numbers again, and maybe get the shooting numbers back. And in all, all he was just like, meh. He played only 31 minutes. He was injured as well. Average 14 and three with three assists, one and a half threes, 0.9 steals and 0.9 blocks, 0.7 blocks, sorry, 43 and 81% shooting. A marginal negative in PIPM, a marginal positive in Raptor with 53 true shooting. I am not giving up on Josh Richardson at this point. 
I think he can have a better season next season, but will that push him into the top 100 in fantasy? He's 130th this year. Well, for a start, I think he plays more than 31 minutes. Um, he's 13 points on 20 usage. Uh, I'm not sure if that goes higher. It's they're all going to depend on what they do with the Harris scenario. So I'm not banking on that. It's really going to come down to, can we get one and a half steals out of Richardson? And I think at this point, we look at him as a steal specialist for fantasy, which is not the greatest role. And it's not something that should be looked at as a top 70 type player. I was pretty down on him uh, at his ADP at 68 from, from memory. Uh, I think you, I maybe had him in the 80s or 90s and thought there's no way that he retains that value. But I also thought we'd get more out of him defensively and he hit more threes. And neither of those things were realistic. He's a, a guy that I really like as a player. But um, yeah, probably going to be better off if he was on a different team. Like Alec Burks, Glenn Robinson the third, he came across from Golden State at the trade deadline. He was the 148th ranked player over the course of the season. But... Yeah, a large portion of that was because he was playing with the Warriors. Now, with Philadelphia, he complained. He didn't know his role. He had falling out with the coach. Um, he was in and out of the rotation. He played 19 minutes a game with Philly. In uh, Golden State, he played 32. He averaged 13 points per game for the Warriors, hitting one and a half threes at 40%. He averaged under eight points for the Sixers. In the, uh, in the bubble, we saw him play 21 minutes a night in only two games. He was dealing with a hip injury. In the playoffs, he didn't play. So it's hard to... Look, he's also an unrestricted free agent. It's hard to, to know. I think he can be a useful rotation piece, but finding that role, like Alec Burks, that he had on the Warriors is just not going to be a likely scenario for Robinson. So therefore, his you know ability to be a, uh, a fantasy option is probably limited. He was able to crack that top 150 barely because he shot the ball pretty well, 49% and 86 from the line. But realistically, nothing else he did was all that fantastic. His metrics, advanced stuff was pretty bad. Negative 2.5 PIPM, negative 3.2 Raptor. 58 true shooting, 18% usage. They're all okay numbers, but realistically, he's just a three-point spot-up sort of a guy on a team that's any good. And yeah, he could find himself on a different team, but he's never, I don't believe, going to find himself with that same role that he had on the Warriors. Now, this guy is not even 27 yet. So maybe there's some upside for him. I'm not super keen on it. I don't really think that he's likely to be a massive impact player or to ever find himself in that sort of role again. Matisse, Thibault, the painter. Matisse is next, a 284th ranked player, negative 0.81 PIPM and plus 1.7 Raptor. Unbelievable defensive player. He is really, really good. Only played 20 minutes a game and averaged one and a half steals and 0.7 blocks. They are ridiculous numbers. The problem is the shooting is, is terrible. 54 true shooting, 11 usage. He averaged just five points per game um, with uh, 0.93s. 1.6 rebounds and 1.2 assists. Will he ever be able to become a passable scorer or a passable shooter? He was a 36% three-point shooter, which is all right. What we need him to do is to get two steals, 1.3 blocks, two triples, nine points. Then he's a top 100 guy. Unfortunately, he was the 204th ranked player because he could not score at all. And his absolute lack of offensive ability meant that he couldn't play the big minutes. And in the bubble, that went up to 22 minutes a night. And the steals and blocks, they are always going to come. 1.8 steals. 0.9 blocks, 0.83s only, under five points again, 52% shooting, um, didn't attempt a single free throw. 
The three-point shooting is maybe there for him. He was up and down in his time in college. He's been up and down in the NBA. But we know that the defensive numbers for Thibault are going to be there. In the playoffs, he averaged 1.8 points. This is going to be the problem with him. An absolute elite defender who's still getting better. He's only 23. He's older as a rookie. He's going to be 24 around the start of next season. Um, the defense is going to be there. Defensive stats are going to be there. Your team has to be really specific to have him on it in terms of fantasy because he just scores absolutely nothing. He's probably better suited for a defensive stream or a punt points type of a build. And in points leagues, he's absolute trash because he doesn't score anything. And we know points leagues are generally really, really heavily weighted towards scoring. Love his defense, but it really all comes down to steals and blocks for Matisse Thibault. And I think you're all well aware of that. Next up is Shake Milton, who um, he'll get opportunities this year. There was no Ben Simmons, and he started, he moved in the starting lineup, and people really, really liked what Shake did. But this is the thing that I always talk about with players. If he's not scoring, what else is he doing? And for Shake, the answer is nothing. Really, really nothing. He was, over the course of the year, the 230th ranked player. He was a negative in PIPM and a pretty big negative in Raptor, negative 2.8 there. His true shooting at 62% is fantastic. He averaged nine points with one and a half threes, which is all right. But when you look at it, 43% from three, that's where the real number is that we're looking at. But a half a steal, 2.2 rebounds, like these are really quite poor numbers. When he started this year, he played 28 minutes a night. He averaged 13, three and three and a half. He shot 50% and hit two threes, but at, realistically, he's a three-point streamer. So while people were really getting frothy over looking at him, um, yeah, oh, he's going to be the starter, he's going to be the point guard, is he a top 60 player? Like I really don't see that for Shake. He's 24 already. He is a guy that just doesn't look... The shooting is great. Is his best-case scenario the fantasy value of a J.J. Redick? He shoots 45% from three, hits three of them, gets 15 points, and then doesn't do anything else. I think that's what we what we look to for for him. That's probably his best case scenario. I don't ever see him developing into an 18 point per game scorer who gets seven assists and hits three threes. His ability to hit threes, pull up threes, uh, catch and shoot threes is really good. He's got some defensive liabilities. Um, I think he's a rotation player. I think they absolutely found a rotation player in Shake Milton, and they should be. Yeah, he is the guy that can either play alongside Simmons or back him up. But even then, as the season went on, they went, shit, this isn't working. Like he's not, this doesn't make sense for have him in this lineup. He's just not as good as maybe what that run of games was before the end of the regular season would indicate. And he had a run. He had a 39-point game, a couple of 20-pointers, hitting multiple threes, but really not doing much else. And in those games where he was on fire, like that 39-pointer, he hit 70% of his shots. The game before that, he hit 86, 86% of his shots. So he has these really high-level shooting games, and he is a really high-level shooter. But is that uh, level of shooting uh, reliable, and will his usage ever get to a level uh, that's high enough for us to get too excited about? And the answer to that is probably going to be no. Furkan Korkmaz, the 257th ranked player. Mate, is he the guy to take the mantle for Al from Al Farouk Aminu? Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. He is wildly inconsistent. He'll come in, he'll start, and he'll have like 22, yeah, 22 points and then 20 points in two games. And then people go, oh man, Furkan, we've got to add him. He's a bomber. He doesn't care. He's going to put up these big numbers. And that's exactly what happened this season. He had two games uh, in February. 34 points in 29 minutes with seven triples. The next game, 31 points with six triples. They both came on plus 70% shooting. The next game, he scored zero points. The game after that, he scored four points. 
He is a guy that can shoot the ball well. He's like, he's pretty tall. He's still only 23. He hit uh, two threes a game this year at 40%. He's a very good three-point shooter. Um, his Raptor was actually a positive, which is a strong number. And I think he should be considered a rotation player. Furkan has $1.7 million non-guaranteed contract for this season. I think that he should be considered a, a, a rotation member, but like Milton, what the hell else is he doing? He averaged one assist per game outside of shooting threes. He can shoot threes at a high level and he can become a three-point streamer. And he will have these games where he goes out and puts up big numbers. And then he will likely go out and shit the bed. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Maybe he is that guy. Maybe he is the new Al Farouk Aminu, considering I don't know where the hell Al Farouk Aminu is in his career at this point. Next up, Kylo Quinn, the cock monster. Used to be an absolute permanent monster. But at this point, he just isn't anymore. He's not that guy that comes out there and is a permanent beast. He was you know, third-string center on this team. Um, the play of Kylo Quinn has really fallen off. He's an unrestricted free agent who's just turned 30. I'm not convinced he even gets another role in the NBA, to be honest. He's per 36 numbers. He was a guy that a couple of years ago was the 12th-ranked player on a per 36 basis playing for the Knicks. This year, he was still pretty good, but 51st. The efficiency for him has dropped off, and wildly, he was an 81% free throw shooter last year, 77 the year before that, 77 the year before that, 77 the year before that, and guess what? 77 the year before that. This year, 55%. Now, that is on 20 free throw attempts only, so it's very limited. I think that can bounce back up, and maybe that helps his numbers, but he just hasn't been as good as what he has in the past. His PIPM and Raptors moved into the negative. His true shooting dropped way down. And I'm just not sure that the Sixers with Horford as the backup to Embiid, Norval Pal coming along, will O'Quinn be the guy that they bring back? Will anyone want to bring him back as a backup center? I think there's always there's always something to look at when he starts and he averaged 10, he averaged eight assists per game in the two games that he started, which is wild. I need to look into, well, how did that happen? In the in a game in the bubble against the Suns, he had 9, 10, and 11, uh, an almost triple-double. So that's why. And then the other start back in uh, on New Year's Eve, he had uh, five assists. So the passing for him obviously has improved. But I think that idea of, man, if Cock just gets 28 minutes and he's a fantasy stud, that might hold true a little bit. But he's just never going to get that role uh, regularly because he's just not that good anymore. And that's what happens as you get older. Uh, for athletes... Now, next up is Prison Mike, Mike Scott. I just don't think this guy's that good. Negatives in PIPM and Raptor, 56 true shooting. Mike Scott is still under contract, which is not great. Uh, 32 years of age, he averaged 1.23s at 37%. He shouldn't be considered a regular part of the rotation. He's a guy that you stream for threes, but realistically, there is no upside left in Mike Scott at age 32 for a guy that does nothing more than shoot and score and can be pretty inconsistent in those areas. Hal Neto. Now, Neto, I thought, had some impressive moments this year. He is an unrestricted free agent, but I, I did like what he did. Um, only only 12 minutes a game, five points and two assists, 46% shooting, 83 from the line, 39% from three. Uh, nice positive Raptor, but a negative PIPM. Um, 28 years of age, could a team do worse in signing a backup point guard? Yeah, they could. I think that he's a really solid backup point guard. I think it's a better point guard option, point guard option than what Shake Milton is. Um, in the bubble, he had some okay games as well. 12 points in those five regular season bubble games with four assists and shot the ball well again. He's he turned himself into a decent uh, a decent shooter as a point guard and a, and a solid enough playmaker. 
Um, when he's out there, only averaging five assists per 36, which isn't great. Defensively, I think he's holding up okay. I think he's a solid enough backup. 28 minutes a night, oh, sorry, 28 years of age is what I'm trying to say. Uh, with maybe a couple of years left, a decent enough play, but he's just never going to be a fantasy stud. He does deserve more than 12 minutes a night, though. So I'd watch to see where he goes in free agency. For those of you in deeper leagues, maybe he's a top 250 prospect for next season. I think there is a possibility of that. Norval Pal uh, played a lot in the G League. Uh, his advanced NBA numbers were shit house. Negative 2.65 PIPM and negative 8.8 Raptor. We only saw him play you know, 24 games, 10 minutes a night, but he blocked 1.3 shots in those 9.7 minutes. That is absolutely huge. In the G League, he was a guy that put up an okay PIPM, 0.22. They converted his two-way into a $1.5 million non-guaranteed deal. In the G League, now he's been around for ages. This is a guy that he's not young. He he started in the G League in 2013, Norval. He's almost 28, but in his G League numbers this year, 14 and nine with two and a half blocks on 65% shooting. He's not a good free throw shooter, but he's one of those guys that is going to come in and block shots. No matter what level he's at, he will come in and block shots. So if you see him playing and you need a block stream on a weekend at the end of the week and Pal is in the rotation, he's going to get you one to two blocks if he's getting minutes. That's just what Norval Pal does. Uh, is there upside in him? No. Next guy we talk about, Mariel Shayok, 566th ranked player. That's pretty poor. But there is a Sixers player that was worse. Sorry, not 566. My mistake. 500th ranked player. There is a Sixers player who's worse. He only played four games in the NBA. Uh, 2.8 points, um, which is really impossible to get any sort of sample there from Shyok. His G League PIPM was a positive. That's a good start. But let's have a look at what his actual numbers were. They were unbelievable in the G League. 22 points. Over seven three-point attempts per game. 2.6 made. 36%. Five rebounds, four assists, 0.9 steals, 89% shooting from the free throw line. Really showed an ability to be a scorer and a shooter. That is uh, it's really encouraging stuff from Shyok. The Sixers need a shooter. Now, is he their answer? He is 25 already, so he's older. Could he be Buddy Heald? Probably not. Could he be a facsimile of Buddy Heald? And is he someone they should be looking to get in the rotation and play a little bit more this season? Yeah, I think he should be. And if he plays 18 minutes, he could very comfortably hit two threes, one and a half threes in that time and be a solid enough scorer. Now, he's not doing much else. Apart from that, you're not going to want him to have the ball in his hands. I thought he looked really good in the Summer League. Again, backed it up in the G League. And the small moments we saw from him in the NBA, I didn't think that he looked completely out of it. But he is a name to watch as a three-point streamer as we move forward. And then, of course, the last guy on this list, because he's the worst player in this team, and that is DRC, Zaire Smith, the 511th-ranked player, negative in PIPM, negative 9.2 Raptor, a 31% true shooting is horrendous. He played just under, uh, just around 30 minutes a game. Try again. He played just 30 minutes total for the NBA season. He averaged one point. He shot 27% from the field. Now, it is limited playing time, but he couldn't even get any sort of playing time as a first-round pick two years in. In the G League, what did he do? 13 points. Gross. 53% shooting is good. 38% from three is good, but nothing else. No defensive numbers. No rebounds. No assists. I thought you know, having the ball in his hands, which is what they were trying to develop, would help. He just has been bad so far. 
I know the advanced projection stuff still really likes him. I am out on Zaya. I am not ruling out the possibility that somehow in his third season, everything starts to click and he starts to shoot better and he becomes an on-ball defensive pest and he finds a role and leapfrogs someone like Josh Richardson. It's really unbelievably unlikely for Smith. And I just think that he's just one of those guys that uh, projection system screwed up, that yeah, the uh, my eye test projection screwed up as well as the numbers. And he's just not going to be an NBA player. And I think that's sort of where we're sitting with Zaya unfortunately at this point that'll bring us at this point to the end of this show guys don't forget subscribe apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher spotify youtube give me a thumbs up leave a comment down below um tomorrow's show undecided we're going to be doing a um a season review now depending on the result of the game final game six in the nba finals it's going to be the miami heat but if the Miami Heat win that game and force a Game 7, it won't be the Miami Heat. We will get the Oklahoma City Thunder in instead. So just keep an eye out on Twitter and on Instagram for the stories and for the questions to ask. And we'll see which team it's going to be. It's either going to be the Heat or it's going to be the Thunder for tomorrow's shows. Uh, for tomorrow's show, actually. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. See ya.